Hey everyone, this is an interview I did with Ryan Morrison, the video game attorney, back in March of 2017, and I really felt like this was an awesome interview and we covered some really great ground, so I wanted to make sure it had its own standalone video. So hopefully, uh, if this is your first time seeing it, you'll get to enjoy it, or maybe if it's been a while, uh, it's certainly worth a second listen. But let's jump right in and talk to Ryan, the video game attorney. Hey guys, I am here with Ryan, the video game attorney. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Um, I'm really excited to have you on for a million reasons, to share your knowledge with the community and also because it's, uh, it's very rare that I get to talk to a lawyer preemptively. Usually when I do, it's <laughs> talking to me about getting myself out of trouble I've already gotten into. So That's true with everyone in your industry. Usually you guys call us after something's on fire when it's a lot harder to deal with and <laughs> a lot more expensive to deal with. Yes, yes, exactly. So, um... I think most people watching probably know who you are, but just for the people that don't, would you want to just give a quick background and uh, just kind of how you ended up where you're at? Sure. So my name's Ryan Morrison. I uh, run a law firm. <clears throat> sorry, getting over a cold from GDC Impacts. Uh, run a law firm in New York with uh, my partner, Michael Lee. We work primarily in video games, but we do digital entertainment. So it's Twitch, YouTube, it's eSports. Uh, but we certainly started in video games, and a lot of what we still do is game dev related. Uh, we help everybody kind of go from hobbyist to professional. We help you with your trademarks, your contracts, make sure everything you're doing is the, the right way. So you don't have to call us when there's a problem later on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's where we kind of made our home in the industry. Gotcha. So when you were a kid, were you, you know, were, were you into video games and then got into law or did you always kind of, you know, did you watch law and order and want to be a lawyer, but then also loved video games? Like what, what made the connection? <laughs> Uh, yeah, actually, it, we get asked that a lot, and it's funny because I didn't know video game law was a thing when I started. Uh, it it kind of wasn't a thing when we started. There were a couple people working in it, Tom Bascalia for one, Jim Charney for another, Gregory Boyd. But there was a handful of people kind of doing the entire industry. And I went to law school for criminal law, of all things, and very quickly realized that's not what I wanted to do. Litigation's not like they make it look on a... Uh, TV. Uh, no, it is not. <laughs> uh, and to this day, I have not been in a courtroom as an attorney. It's just not the kind of law I do. We do a lot of transactional. Uh, my partner is the litigator. I do the transactional side usually. And while we both dabble in, in the other, just the this industry as a whole doesn't see a courtroom much. It's, it's uh, nice that most of what we can do gets solved outside of it, uh, whether that is through minor or different courtrooms like the USPTO with trademarks or, or whatever it might be. But no, yeah. So I grew up quite a nerd, though. I uh, grew up playing, you know, I mean, literally name it. I, I spent every hour of my waking life playing games as a kid. Besides hockey practice, I would come right home and play EverQuest. And then I would uh, got addicted to Final Fantasy 7 through <clears throat> fill in the blank. And uh, yeah, you name it, I played it. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So um, the one question that I get more than anything else, um, and I would love to hear your, uh, you know, what you have to say about this, is are ROMs illegal? And we're <laughs> most specifically talking about uh, ones from the, the consoles of the 90s, not a console produced today. I think it's pretty freaking obvious that if you download a 3DS ROM, that's something that's still being sold, that there's no gray area. You're stealing. So Well, there's no gray area for either. Uh, they're both yeah. absolutely entirely the same. They're they're not legal in any capacity. You're not allowed to distribute someone else's IP. Uh, I've heard every 
theory in the book as to why it's legal, it's it's not. Uh, do I agree with it? It doesn't matter. People always get mad at me for my answers. My answers are the law, not necessarily what I agree with. So mm -hmm. taking my personal opinions aside, no, it's not legal to distribute or sell ROMs, uh, even if the game is abandoned or whatever else. If you want to have your own personal backup for some ROMs, that gets a little more legal depending on if you own the game in the first place, how you got that ROM, et cetera, et cetera. But certainly the distribution of ROMs is, is not legal in any capacity. Gotcha. So that's exactly what I've always kind of thought on it. The, um, the, only, the only thing that I've always kind of said is, of course, you know, Frank Cifaldi just did that big talk about how the pirates are actually the ones that seem to have been preserving video game history. And while he still very much gets a lot of slack for it, a lot of these early 80s and early 90s games would have completely disappeared, especially the unfinished stuff that never went out. Um, but, you know, the, the analogy a lawyer gave me a long time ago when I was talking to, uh, we were doing home theater distribution stuff, is, you know, technically, if I buy a Blu-ray and I rip it to my hard drive and I watch it, that, at least at that time in life, that, they said, was illegal. They said, you're not supposed to do that. But um, they, they were also told that if I did that personally, no one's going to come after me for it. Not only because sure. they wouldn't know, because it's a waste of their time. However, right. as soon as I take that copy and sell it, upload it online, and do something where I'm now just giving away something, that's when, um, yeah, red flags definitely come up, usually starting with cease and desist anywhere up to fines immediately. I, 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 and we see cease and desist a lot less frequently now. Now normally they come for your house right away because uh, <laughs> they're, they're kind of sick of it. They realized we can send cease and desist forever, but everyone in the industry then just says, Oh, we'll just do this till we get a cease and desist. So now they don't owe you a cease and desist. That's that's a legal courtesy. That's not a legal necessity. And uh, we've had plenty of clients who are now quite literally homeless or lost their families or their entire uh, livelihoods because they were uploading something like ROMs. Uh, that's that's you know it's it's not a lighthearted thing anymore. It's it's potentially very life ruining. And that example example you just said is exactly right. <clears throat> uh, more so even nowadays, but just replace the word Blu-ray with video games and it's the same thing. So I know obviously you're not allowed to talk about your clients, but would you be able to give a general example of what happened that that caused somebody to get hit so hard that they lost their house? Sure. So the, I mean, one example that is a little public, I can't say who it is, although they've talked about it publicly quite a few times on Reddit. Uh, basically, they were making uh, – so, so to, it, and this is a piracy example. There's worse examples for just – trademark and copyright infringement or whatever you might want to get into. But uh, what he was doing was quite literally running a ROM website and the website uh, was making a ton of money off advertising and things like that. And it became his full time job. He was running a, a ROM website. Uh, he was also doing some other things on there. But what actually destroyed him was the ROMs. It wasn't the movies he was distributing or anything like that. I think he even had music on there. He could have got hit a million different ways. But the game companies are the ones that came after him, two in particular. And uh, they basically said you can sign this <clears> – <throat> you can sign – you can pay us X amount of dollars, a life-ruining amount, or you can pay us a tenth of that and sign this summary judgment saying – a consent judgment saying that you are wrong, you're admitting you're wrong, and it, this is illegal. Now, that consent judgment won't hold up as precedent in an actual courtroom, but you guys don't go to court. You guys – don't have the hundred grand to defend yourself usually. Mm -hmm. So instead they take that consent judgment and they put it in all their future cease and desist. And those cease and desist again now come with a take down this website, show us your bank account, show us every dollar you've made and give us $200,000, whatever it might be. 
And that all together is not something that anyone running a ROM website is going to want to deal with. Right. So that's not even something I considered before because um, when I, you know, it, the times that I've distributed ROMs, there have been things that have out of print. It's it's to collectors, to people that know own the game anyway. And I don't, I don't my website doesn't have ROMs on it. Period. Right. So there's I don't even have to worry about this. But I never looked at it that you know people were making a living off of that because I very often defend people who save these ROMs and especially the ones that do it for archival purposes, but they don't host them on a website. It's kind of privately like, yeah, no one's know. doing it for archival purposes. That also is running ads on the website and, and making a living off it. Right. That, that's where I don't feel bad for them anymore. Uh, so listen, this job's changed me for sure. Three years ago when I started video game attorney on Reddit and, and everything with that, uh, I was much more an advocate for, I get why you guys are doing this. Let's help you now working in this industry and seeing the blood, sweat and tears that goes into making these games, uh, everyone is for open source and everyone is anti IP mm-hmm. until it's their own IP being stolen. Right. Uh, I've yet to meet someone who had their game being stolen and said, that's awesome. Cool. I'm glad people are playing it. Uh, I've seen those headlines from, I think hotline Miami was most recent that said, you know, download us for illegally in Australia after they banned us. But I've not seen it as not a marketing tool. So, yeah, Hotline Miami makes a bunch of headlines by saying that. That's awesome. And they're good guys. I mean, I'm not insulting them. But people want to protect their IP. Mm-hmm. I have a Star Wars poster behind me. The prequels were terrible. That doesn't mean I get to go make better prequels. I don't own Star Wars. I don't get to do that. <laughs> and I shouldn't. Uh, but, you, I mean, you name it. We've heard it in terms of the defenses. Oh, well, we don't charge for these ROMs. They're free. It doesn't matter. Oh, well, we're doing a fan game version. It's a remake of this old ROM, but it's not blah, blah. It doesn't matter. It's just, you know, it, it's so outrageous, the the bad law that gets passed around Reddit and other communities. And then people, it, it's, it's, uh, it's like what Trump does. He makes up something. People repeat it. And then he cites those other people repeating his own nonsense as if it's fact. Yeah. That's what the online community does with, with ROMs and things like that. They'll say, oh, well, as long as you... Uh, my favorite is is uh, it's more for mods, I guess. But it's you need the base game to load this, so I'm allowed to do whatever I want to it. No, that's not how this works. It so doesn't matter. That's actually if you own something that um, I have always gotten conflicting information about, and I, I honestly don't know. So if like some of my favorite things on the internet are, are Super Metroid and Zelda hacks that fans have done, and that's exactly what they've said. Here's the IPS patch for it. Um, it has no Nintendo IP in this patch at all. Is that still illegal to distribute? Yeah, 100%. Go look at Project M's website. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were a mod for Smash Brothers, and it's 100% illegal. You're not allowed to do that. Hmm. That's that. There, you will not find a lawyer who disagrees with that. I, I, is it morally right? Maybe not. I mean, I'm not arguing the f- philosophy of it or the policy behind it. I'm telling you, though, you are not allowed to do that. That is, that is, uh, every single EULA that exists says you are not allowed to do that. You know, I hope that I hope that in the future we're able to find something that's kind of like music, right? If uh, if I put an album out and somebody likes one of my songs but says I want to do it all with ukuleles and accordions or something, and they do it. That's they not can, legal either. Um, well, they can 100% legally do that by going through the correct channels. Sure. Oh, so it, yes. It, why don't you set it up? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I, the guys who set it up for music are not gover- They're not government bodies. It just would take a true archivist to say, I do want this to work. So, so what, and, and to elaborate what happens in music, the proper channels are basically, I can go cover any song I want as long as I pay the uh, correct body that will basically reimburse the artist for that. Right. Uh, so if games do that, it would be incredible. I agree with you. I would love to see 
I mean, my favorite games are from the NES or Super Nintendo or whatever they might be. I would love to see them remade uh, or, or made better or, or HD remakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to because a lot of the programmers or developers are so broken because this industry, the triple A side of this industry is where the indie side is now, mm-hmm. meaning there were no good contracts. No one knew who owned what. So you go pick a game on Sega and the studio that was working with the developer, working with the publisher, working with a musician, no one can figure out who actually owns that IP, mm-hmm. but they'll all sue you if you try to remake it yourself. Uh, so it, it's a mess that we'll never see a lot of our favorite games remade, and it's just a sad truth. Hmm. You know, there's different levels of that, too, because, you know, and this is strictly opinion, obviously, but if somebody wants to do, like, a Super Mario World hack for the, you know, the SNES version of it, and they just want to kind of give it away, and it's a very small percentage of gamers, if you really think about it, that's going to be playing it, you know, it, it's that's that's one path that you'd have to fight for. But then if somebody said, I want to redo Super Mario World and put it on an iPhone, I would, I mean, in my personal opinion, for Nintendo to say, no, of course not. That's not what we go for. You know, that's, I actually would agree with that totally. But I think the case of another Metroid 2 remake, I'm not sure if you heard about that one, but a guy pretty much did Metroid 2 from scratch, and it's amazing. I mean, it's better than But any, it's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> and he did get a takedown notice from Nintendo, and he didn't talk much about it, but from well, what he Well, he can't, because those takedown notices, he probably shouldn't have even said what he said, to be honest. Knowing Nintendo's takedowns, he probably breached the settlement he made with them. <laughs> I yeah. don't represent him, I don't know that, but... He uh, said very little, so, you know, other... Yeah. Um, and I, I kind of always wondered what happened. Was it just Nintendo saying, you know, look, dude, no, no way, you gotta, you know, take this down and we'll leave you alone? Or was there more behind the scenes that he's not even allowed to talk about? Well, I mean, just pure speculation because I don't represent him, but I would say the way this normally works, and not Nintendo. Nintendo gets a bad rap for some reason as the most litigious company. They're not. I mean, Sega gets hailed as a savior of everything. Go try to make a Sega remake, a Sonic remake for the iPhone and see what happens. Mm. Uh, I, I don't understand where the internet kind of made those two parties, uh, one evil, one good. It's just completely inaccurate. Sega sends out just as many cease and desist. Uh, but that said, let's take Metroid for, for a second, or let's not, let's remove Metroid and say Game X. The way those settlement agreements happen, where instead of pass 250000 you pass 25000 or whatever it might be, that only gets lowered if you sign a non-disclosure and non-disparagement agreement. That means you cannot talk about this at all, and for the rest of your life, you're not allowed to say a bad word about the company suing you. Uh, that's crazy, but that's how it works. That's what you're saving $200,000 for, to not say bad words about it. Uh, I get personally upset with people like Aperion or whatever their name is making the KOTOR remake, or they were. I don't even know if they still are. Uh, I think those people are dangerous and, and to be blunt about it, just not good people because on their website it says something like, is this legal? Yes. And then two pages of absolute bullshit, just complete wrong misinformation that other people that are non-lawyers will read and say, oh, cool, this is legal. Here's why they're allowed to do it. Here's why they're able to do it. I'm going to go do it myself. And whoops, my life's ruined. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, those those people remaking KOTOR, they're going to get theirs. Most of the time that the cease and desist and the lawsuits don't come until you actually release something. And I apologize. There's construction going on outside of my office. Oh, I'm in I don't New York City. It's, been, it's happening since I hit record, too, on mine. Yeah, so perfect. hopefully we won't pick it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, cool. So, the, But, yeah, it's, it's a matter of... Uh, they get insanely uh, pompous about the fact I've been doing this for four years and I've got not gotten a takedown. 
okay, release your game. Watch what happens on day one. They're not going to wait four hours after it. The second you release it, they're going to come after you because now there's actual damages that they can prove. Doesn't matter if your game's free. Doesn't matter if your game's a million dollars. You're going to be homeless. Yeah, that's um, you know, it's kind of a scary thought, especially a lot of these. Uh, there was one team that redid uh, a, a. I don't want to get too specific now in case yeah. Nintendo's listening, but they basically took a Japan-only experience that happened in I think ninety six or ninety seven, and now they made it so people could experience it either on emulators or on home carts, and they just. Uh, put up the patches and it's kind of hard to find too so it's like you know it's um it, it, by no means are they making one cent off of it and it's it's i mean in my opinion such an unbelievably important piece of history that that i didn't even really know existed until they did this so you know and so far uh, i know all the team members and no one nobody said anything to them about so, it so yet. here's the thing though that is a good sob story and that is a good truth and that is a good i want that to exist too but now be on in Nintendo's shoes where they let that exist and now every idiot on Twitter says well if this game can do it I can do it with this game and then that that mentality and that rationalization goes all the way up to Mario legally Nintendo has to protect their IP mm-hmm. and just common sense wise they have to so again not to pick on Nintendo they all do it I don't I really don't understand why Nintendo gets the bad rap other than the fact that maybe Nintendo uh has more popular IP that gets stolen more. That's that's the other thing. That could uh, be it, but historically, Nintendo's always kind of been the uh, you know the big closed off company, and Sega did embrace a lot of their hackers. They hired Christian Whitehead. Who, that's the example I keep hearing. Name another. <laughs> uh, there was one more. Okay, they fine. Worked with I, uh, the Wonder Boy and Monster World team, I think they uh, they openly embraced those guys. I think I might be getting that wrong, but there was more than one. So it's possible, but let's let's be totally – and I, I'm not anti-Sega and pro-Nintendo. Nintendo messes with my clients more than anyone, but it's a, because of what I'm about to say. Name five Sega properties that are going to be ripped off and redone and then name five Nintendo ones. You could name five million Nintendo ones <laughs> before you get to your tenth Sega one. Yeah. That's why Nintendo has to do this more. Legally, they have to police their IP. The guy – I mean really, what Sega titles are you going to remake that are going to be so good? I mean, how many Sonic fan games do we need? Mm-hmm. Uh, you take Nintendo, though. You have Pokemon. You have Mario. You have literally an endless list of great sought-after IP that people continually try to remake and redo. And that's why Nintendo has a, a, a basically a policy of we're not going to talk to you. We're going to sue you. Sega has that same policy unless it gets super popular on Twitter or Reddit. And then Sega gets to say, hey, we're relevant again. Maybe someone will buy us. Maybe we'll finally be allowed to exist. Uh, there, it's all marketing. If you think that Sega is just, if you think you can go back in time to the the height of the Genesis and use today's technology, do you really think Sega would be hiring all those hackers and letting people do stuff? Not a chance, because they were still on top of the world then. Mm-hmm. Now they're nowhere near it. They're not even on our world anymore. So they're like, thank God we're relevant. Please remake our stuff. Let's make this exciting again. Mm-hmm. Nintendo, they're fine. They don't need your your uh, remake of of Metroid. They just don't. And as much as I want to see it too, that it's, it, there's no legal argument for it. Gotcha. So, um, is there a statute of limitations for uh, for games then? So, if something, if there's a game from 1975 that no one's touched before, but it hasn't been, you know, the original content owner hasn't released it to the public, is there some kind of statute of limitations where we? Yeah, can but it's it? you're not gonna like it. Uh, it's 70 years after the author dies. 
Gotcha. So whoever made that game, when they die, 70 years past that. And then if the game is actually owned by a company or something like that, we'll ne- you know, our grandkids won't have the right to do it. It's just going to be there forever. And then even worse than that, trademarks, which protect the title. So if you want to call your game Metroid anything, Metroid's a trademark for the Nintendo company. Mm-hmm. And that's perpetual. So that's forever. Forever. And as long as it's in commerce in any capacity, it's forever. You can claim a trademark's abandoned after three years, but I, you're, you're not. It, it's not a fight that I'd want to be on. Uh, the best defense you have is the. Actually, I don't even want to get into that because it's such an exception to an exception that mm. I don't want anyone listening to this to try to rely on it. Uh, I would rather to, to cure the untruths out there that it mm. doesn't matter if your game's free. It doesn't matter if you own the original and there is no way to distribute ROMs or mods or remakes that is legal. There's just not unless you get a license and licenses are not impossible to get. If you have a really good idea or you have a really good remake for a dead IP, call the company and see if you can do it. Sometimes they'll work with you. Mm -hmm. Even Nintendo. (laughs) So um, what about the hardware then? Because you see all these Nest clones popping up. Uh, Isn't there a statute of limitations on the the hardware and that's why people do have the clones? To be perfectly honest with you, I am not a patent attorney and I talked to our patent attorney about this exact fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, my... I felt like how I talked to everyone about trademarks. Like I, I, my eyes glossed over. I couldn't really follow it. It's such a, uh, such a high level conversation about the actual science behind the things and what is protectable under a patent and what is not. The short answer is yes, there is a 20 year protection on patents, which we are passing with most hardware now, Mm -hmm. uh, from the original generation anyway. Uh, so yeah, the original NES is arguably not under patent anymore, but again, I'm not a patent attorney, so I don't want to black and white that. Right. Cause well, I mean the very fact that you could buy Nest clones in, in America on Amazon and Nintendo's not swooping in and suing them probably means that's true then <laughs> the 20 year patent thing on that. Um, to a, to a degree. Yeah. And then the other thing you have to keep in mind though is trade dress. So Nintendo still owns the, the trademark or the trade dress to what an NES looks like. So you can do a clone. It can't be, it can't be the exact same uh, look and feel of it. Right. Right. That, that, yeah, that makes perfect sense as well. So, um, so then would ROM carts be illegal? The devices that allow you to dump all these ROMs on older hardware. So if you, are are they sold with ROMs on them? No, then probably not. I mean, it, you know, a a tobacco pipe's not illegal until you put weed in it. Uh, right. you know, that's that's the example I would use. <laughs> yeah, somebody I, I honestly don't know if they were a game developer that was really offended or if they were just a troll trying to light me up. But somebody was just nonstop posting on my review of one product and basically said that, you know, um, just by reviewing something that that allows you to have no. these ROMs on it. I, I actually saw that guy's an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you're, so, you're allowed to review whatever you want you can go review weed if you want yeah exactly and you know and the fact don't that, do that though don't rely on that as legal advice no. disclaimer, disclaimer. <laughs> don't start your, your, your youtube marijuana channel and call me right unless you're in, in california or, or, yeah, right. or one of those places now but i mean the example i gave is i just thought it was ridiculous it's like it's like a knife set right like if i say this is a great knife set cut my steak really well with it and somebody goes and buys that knife and stabs himself in the leg <laughs> you know, that's exactly I, Right. <laughs> okay. Right. So, all right. And you know, to that effect, I, I tell everybody that with well, Nintendo's not suing this guy, so it means I can do it. No, OJ got away with murder. It doesn't mean you can start killing people. Right. You know, it's just a matter of know where the dangers are, and and hopefully, you know, we we got through those. 
So, um, do you know anything about um, where the legalities of some of these hardware mods stand? So, of course, we're still playing in the in the ballpark of consoles that are older than twenty years old, and th- uh, you know, not having any of their IP involved. Mostly things like you take a console apart, you know, you lift some pins, you solder in this chip. Uh, not mod chips; it's for like video and audio and, and, and enhancing the thing. Because I used to work for a company that uh, that designed and manufactured computers. And um, one of the one of the guys there who had been doing electronics for a million years basically told me that like anything that you sell, you have to have um, the consumer. You know, uh, we used to get CE regulations, but they're you know all the different ones. And if you don't, um, you could be uh, again, you know you could be liable for all these things. And I've had other people say, no, that's completely not true. You could sell anything and get sued. So just make sure you have an LLC set up just in case. But that's what I was just gonna say. So so. The worst answer, but the most true answer to this stuff and to all of these things Mm -hmm. is they don't need to be right to sue you. They don't need the law on their side to sue you. And it'll cost you 50 grand to get sued. It'll cost you 100 grand if if you don't win immediately. Uh, So the the real answer is kind of don't poke the bear where you don't need to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wouldn't make it a business of modding Xboxes. But Maito Lashani, our associate, wrote a really great piece on jailbreaking iPhones, which is – even though that's a software change, the arguments are very much still the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would – without it, – it, that is such a nuanced issue that the short answer is it's usually not legal in most jurisdictions. It's becoming more legal. It's mm-hmm. something that our legislators are actually starting to understand what it means and figuring out good policy behind it as opposed to what they do with everything else on the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's, that's our biggest challenge is we're using – laws written for newspapers to police the video game industry. Right. It's really difficult. Uh, but they're really starting to look at this more. And, and I, I recommend you Google the article by my associate, Maida Lashani, mm-hmm. or tweet at me and I'll link it to you. It's uh, happy to share it. it. It's it's a long read. It's not you know the most exciting thing in the world to read about the, the manufacturing and tech behind something and what you're allowed to change. But if you're interested in it, which I think a lot of your listeners are, it's super interesting. And it's also a really good look at all the legislation and policy going on that that really is not it's so new that we don't know the answer yet gotcha so um when it comes uh, did you hear about i think it was in canada where uh somebody just got uh sued and i think they went to they might have gone to jail for selling mod chips for um i don't i forgot which system it was but they were basically a mod chip seller um, and it was, I think they originally started with the PS2 stuff and they got in, uh, you know, a lot of trouble for that. And that, you know, that there always is the argument of, well, what if I want to mod it to play imports that I've bought? What if I want to mod it to play a homebrew game that I wrote? You know, and obviously if somebody's making a ton of money on it, they're probably selling the mod chips to people who are copying games. For sure. And, and that's where it, that's what has to be looked at with the policy arguments, because the person making it to make homebrew games is 0.01% of the people buying mod chips out there. Uh, and that sucks, but that's the truth of every law we have on the books. You can't you know, go over 30 miles an hour in a town because a lot of people who will will drive carelessly, even though there's some drivers out there who drive more safely at 40 miles an hour, whatever it might be. That's a dumb analogy, but the, 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 such a small group that's doing the right thing with it is unfortunately having their stuff ruined by the idiots mass selling it over eBay or whatever they're doing. And that's what this, I don't even know this case, but I would bet that's what this guy was doing. Uh, that's not going to change. We're not going to see, even with these policy t- changes I'm talking about that, that Mida wrote about, 
uh, we're not going to see these things change because it's it it shouldn't change. I mean, there there's um, it, at least in the eyes of the legislators who are trying to protect the corporations who made this stuff, you you can't go mod this hardware or you can't sell kind of a derivative work of the hardware, even though that's not the, the correct legalese and give it to people. Uh, the th- that is changing. Like I said, there's policy arguments being made right now about what you can and can't mod and what you can and can't change on things. But I don't think you're ever going to be allowed to set up a uh, Nintendo mod store. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, now, uh, just recently, I guess there was um, the right to repair, I think it's called. Yep. So I guess the big companies are not sending out parts. Um, this is something that was handled in the auto industry a long time ago, right? Where now the auto companies are forced to uh, supply replacement parts for X amount of years after a car is manufactured for this exact reason, to combat this stuff. Uh, is this something that, you know, everything's changing so much that there's no chance of that being won, or is that... Well, that's the trick, right? So we're, we've never seen technology advance this quickly. Uh, the, the differences in a car from 20 years ago versus the difference between your Super Nintendo and a PlayStation 4 are otherworldly. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're, we've never seen anything like this to be perfectly frank about it. And that's going to require a rewrite on a lot of policy arguments and a lot of laws we have, uh, the right to repair thing. Again, I, I know your viewership is super behind it and I, and I love that. I'm actually with you guys. I, I like to collect a lot of random stuff and part of it is older consoles and games. I'm really into that. Uh, but the truth is most people are not like us. Uh, you know, there is not a yammering for people to be able to self repair their NES out there. And instead what you're going to see is the patent protection fall away and NES has become mass marketed and, and sold by a third parties. And you can kind of just go buy one cheaply, hopefully. And that's going to be the solution rather than Sony having to send you parts to a PlayStation. Gotcha. At least that's a guess too, because we're not there yet. But that's the guess. You know, because because parts uh, in consoles and everything change so quickly, and because in the electronics industry you buy things in you know thousand, hundred thousand, you know a million if you're Sony and Nintendo, I wouldn't expect that you'd still be allowed to buy parts for, or or that we would force them to still send parts for PlayStation One and PlayStation Two. But the thing that does kind of uh, you know, and I, I understand both sides of it. But if you buy a brand new PS4. And the drive dies. Um, you know, it's not that hard to pop it out and replace it. it you oh, you mean need, for the current for current consoles. generation? Oh, yeah. I misunderstood you. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that will be. Uh, I, I can't tell you the exact law on that right now, but I think that's something that we're certainly going in that direction. Where these companies can't keep selling you an iPhone with a battery that's made to die in six months. Right. Uh, you know, stuff like that. We're gonna we're gonna see more consumer protection on that, depending on. Again, not to get political, even though I already did, but depending on which party controls Congress and the House. I mean, that's that's quite literally where these laws come from. And if we have Republicans in there, we're not going to see any protections for it. We're going to see us have less options to to self-regulate or self-repair things. And if you see Democrats in there, uh, you're going to see a lot more of it. And I think the big misconception, too, politically is is uh, the libertarians saying that they're going to help police this stuff or help make self-repair more more out there. And that's, that's just completely not true based on policy we've seen, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vote for socialism over that, <laughs> which is fine. I mean, put Bernie in there and we'll all be able to fix our own stuff. <laughs> the, uh, the one thing that I did, 
I did want to at least mention to the people watching, though, is there are certain scenarios where you really shouldn't be messing with any of that. You know, we had had a couple of, and this probably doesn't apply to video games, but maybe it does, but we had a couple of medical-grade computers where if you didn't put them back together in the right order with the right stuff, it would actually emit, you know, a point oh to the millionth power more electromagnetic radiation than it would have, which has probably, without exaggerating, a one in a hundred million chance of doing any harm to anything, but there's more than a hundred people in the world. So, right. you know, so there, there are scenarios like that where people should definitely not be doing their own. I just to clarify, I'm talking about very basic stuff here. You know, as long as you have a screwdriver and one of those plastic poppers, you could, you could do it. So that, right. I do understand the safety reasons and things like that, but for sure. And that not, not all companies are, you know, maniacal evil geniuses. Sometimes they really are just, Please don't kill yourself. Let us fix this for you. But I, I agree with you. Like replacing the screen on an iPhone takes four cents and uh, four seconds and twelve cents, and uh, you know it'll be a month long process if you mail it in to get repaired that way. Right. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that a lot of these places don't repair anything anymore. Like if you have a, if you I just ran into this. If you drop your Microsoft Surface and crack the screen, there is no place to get that officially from Microsoft to get that repaired. Your right. only option is to is to. Um, to trade it in and they'll give you a refurb. Yeah. And there's uh, people get, I mean, people lose their shit about that because if they have something that they kept in perfect condition, how do they know where that refurb has been? How do they know that's not a beat up thing that, you know, yeah, maybe it's got a shiny new case on it or something. So I I completely understand that. I think anybody that's ever dropped their phone has been through that before as well. Right. So no, absolutely. Um, so somebody emailed me a question the other day and I, at first, I kind of laughed it off, but then I started to wonder, you know, how much merit it actually had. But um, they said they wanted to start an Instagram account, um, basically just about video games in general and the new things that are out. And they said they're going to be taking a lot of pictures of, like, Amiibos and Nintendo, basically Nintendo IP. Um, and they said, is that legal? And my opinion is, if uh, well, my my perception on this was if something's in public... Of course you could take a picture and stick it on Instagram. But is that wrong? <laughs> is that wrong is a, is a way to question because, again, you have to look at the total picture. So what are they doing? And this – Jesus Christ, the crane just went <laughs> crazy there. Uh, the, the whole picture is what are they doing with that picture? What's it linking to? What's it leading to? Is this to help people do self-repair or is this to get them to their repair store and sell them a part or whatever it might be? Uh, the whole picture does matter here. So the guy selling mod chips, it, that, we're not arguing is it okay to sell a mod chip to someone or is it okay to have a mod chip. We're arguing that guy's specific case. And that's the most dangerous part of the internet right now is that people take a specific case as if it's case law for everyone and everything having to do with that one subject matter. That's the opposite of how the law works. The law looks at everything very specifically. We're, we're as lawyers not even allowed to give out specific answers in a public forum because they don't want – the public thinking that the answer to a specific fact pattern has anything to do with something slightly different. So even just, I would have to see that picture before I could give you an answer. It's that silly, but that's where we're at. That is pretty crazy. I think at least in the context of what this person had asked, I mean, I I get the impression he's going to be walking around and, Hey, look what I found at a game store. Oh, Hey, look what's up at Walmart. So it's not, it's not taking anything apart. I mean, that's public. You're in public. You're right. To take that, that's fine with the disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Nothing's ever fine, and we're all going to get sued into death. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody said something to me years ago, a, a lawyer friend of mine, that um, remember that um, 
anybody could sue anybody for any reason at all. The only question is if it's going to if they're going to go anywhere with it. So if somebody really wanted to freak out and, you know, they could say, well, you know, I think that might be threatening my company's IP, whatever else, you you might actually end up in court for something if it's, you know, if somebody felt strongly enough about it. That's the beauty. I mean, it just it goes back to you don't have to be right to sue someone. You just have to be pissed off. Yeah, there you go. Um, so for people that run into any of these things, um, what happens if you don't have any money? Do you, can you just show up at court by yourself and, and cross your fingers? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> cross them really hard. Uh, it's a really, really sad thing. But the truth is the justice system is not for people without money. Uh, if it's criminal and you're actually looking at jail time, they'll give you a lawyer. Mm-hmm. If it's civil and you're going to have an almost worse situation like losing your house or your bank account or your family or your job or whatever, you don't get a free lawyer. And you have to figure that out. And, uh, uh, you know, the chance of it going to court, impossible. I think reality is uh, most of the companies suing you are going to look at it and say, let's figure out a settlement that makes sense for this guy's specific situation. Let's hurt him so he doesn't do it again, but let's not kill him. And uh, that's the that's the usual norm. And what you can do is you can reach out to us. I mean, if if if. Big evil corporations coming after you. We've we've made a reputation and a career off helping them for free. Uh, it's I know not everybody has money. I have a green eight dollar shirt on. You know we don't. <laughs> I drive a Kia. We're not here for the money. We're here because despite all my warnings and my sternness on this stuff, we we really do pride ourselves on repping and helping the little guy. Uh, my partner is a, is the best litigator in the world, and and we're here to help you when things go awry. Uh, if you make mario 2 the marioing we're not going to help you with <laughs> nintendo but if you do something that you that really you know was not wrong uh yeah message us we'll help you we really will cool that's uh that's really nice of you guys and it's it's good to know that you know there's at least people out there giving information um i guess one last question i have is that um are do they still do like uh i don't know what the i, I was going to say group suing but i uh it was 12 years ago so i'm way past the statute of limitations so i got something in the mail that says yeah I class bought, actions yeah <laughs> i bought something that could possibly be used for um uh decoding direct tv channels it could also <laughs> actually be used for pc engine games a lot of other things um and you know of, of course i was experimenting with that i was a nerd and i was like 19 you know why wouldn't i want to mess with everything Right. Um, and the lawyer or the the letter I got said that you know we bought the company that sold these things, which means we now own their own all of their books. So we have proof that you bought it. Pay us thirty five hundred dollars right now, and it'll go away forever. Or uh, you say no, and we'll sue you for the full hundred thousand dollars and take it to court. So I brought it to my lawyer, who basically was like, "Fuck off." <laughs> yeah. Wrote the note, said, "You know, don't ever contact my client again." There's no proof that he even received it, let alone you know anything else. That's the right answer. And what he what he actually said was that those those companies will do that. And they won't go any farther than that letter until they reach a point. So if if everybody sticks up the middle finger and walks away, then they're done. But if enough people pay that thirty five hundred, that goes into a bank account that says, "Hey, now we have a budget to sue all the worst offenders." And sometimes that budget's ten. Sometimes that budget is for a thousand people. There's a website that I can't believe I forget the name of right now, but it, it's uh, it's it was doing that with images, stock photos on websites. So they would send you a letter saying pay us $6,000 because you use this picture that, that we own. 
they didn't own the pictures or they would very loosely be affiliated with the photographer or whatever it might be, it was, uh, it was a scam. And they would never actually sue you. They just said, pay us six grand and we won't sue you. Or you could ignore this and we also won't sue you. Uh, but enough people paid and some of the, the people started talking to real attorneys and those attorneys said, holy hell, this is crazy, as I would have said if I got that letter from your guy. And uh, they got countersued. And yeah, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. I mean, if, if if what you're saying is how it happened, that's ridiculous. I would have. That's when we, we get Reddit and Twitter to light that company on fire, uh, because that's what's nice nowadays. We have the Internet and social justice and not social justice warriors, but we can be social justice <laughs> mages. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, really, I mean, it's that companies don't like the bad PR. They don't like their top SEO to be this company sucks. Look at the scam. So if, if enough people are getting screwed over and it's, it's screwed over as traditionally they would have gotten away with it 30 years ago, they can't anymore. So that's why that I don't run into that as often as I did in yes. well, like 2001 or something versus for now. Sure. It's because there's such a, a huge platform for people to communicate with Because now when you get that letter, the first thing you do is you Google that letter and you see how many other people are worried and freaked out about it. And it all of a sudden turns into a thing. They don't want that. Interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know you're a busy guy, and I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. No, it's my pleasure. I, 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 For everybody watching, I've had to reschedule three times now, and I'm the hugest jerk in the world. So I appreciate you accommodating my schedule. Not a problem <laughs> at all. Um, is there any last things, that, any last piece of information, something that I didn't ask that you wanted to get out to everybody who's listening? Yeah, if you're doing something, talk to a lawyer. If you're starting a business, talk to a lawyer. It is free to talk to most lawyers. They will give you a free consultation. And even after that, if you have, uh, if you're starting a business – there's a lawyer in America you can afford. There are ones that will do it for very cheap or help you for whatever. Uh, and there's ones that are very expensive for when you start making a ton of money and you want kind of that next tier protection. Uh, but very much just have a lawyer and an accountant and know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, I actually um, – I, I, I probably should have mentioned this first. But when you posted that thing on Reddit that kind of just went through little steps to go to – and I'll link all yeah. this in the description, by the way, for anybody listening. But Appreciate you posted your, your basic pricing structure, which of course is going to be different for everybody else. But you gave yeah. – you know, and what <laughs> the prices you were charging were, were absolutely fair. And the things that I learned, like with the – I thought I could you – know, all this stuff sounded so simple to me when I was setting up the a business for the band and everything, the trademark. And next thing you know, I realized like $3,000 later, if I had just gone to a lawyer first, it would have been about 1200 Right. So it's just like, you know, just it, unless you're a lawyer, just go to a lawyer. And there are definitely people like you out there that aren't looking to buy a new boat on your small business, you know? I mean, if you want to send me a boat, fine, but no, no, you're right though. I mean, and I'm not the only one. We're not trying to say that. I mean, would I love everybody watching this to use us? Of course, but there's, a, there's attorneys everywhere that can help you. Uh, but, but yeah, we, we, we're very public about what we charge and, and what we think things are worth. And yes, it's not $4 for a trademark, but it's a lot less than the 3,500 that a big law firm is going to charge. And we do it just as good, if not better. <laughs> yep. And those hidden little things, man. I did my trademark like four times, and every time I turned around, they said, no problem. And then a month later, I'd get a letter saying, nope, it's wrong. It's $300 to change it. Like, oh, yeah. come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so. that's what, you know, we, that's what's nice about using a law firm. You know, you pay a little more up front, but you get everything done the right way, and you don't have to redo it. Yep. Cool. Well, um, thank you again for your time and all of the information. Um, if you just want to send me that one link to the thing your partner did, I'll have everything in the description for everybody to read. Um, and I, I really appreciate it. And if you ever want, uh, if you ever want your consoles modded, deal. <laughs> we'll do it under I'll the table so nobody, uh, you know, we won't be legally coming back to you. <laughs> sounds good. And thanks for having me again. It's been a pleasure. No problem. Take care.
Have a good one. Bye.